Chiefs Kingdom, what's going on? This is the Coach's Corner. And now this is Caleb James. This is not Justin Dupengeiser, who normally hosts the show. Uh, Big Dupe is on his honeymoon. Congrats to him. He just got married. But on the show to me tonight is the one and only CJ Jones. CJ, what's happening, dude? What's going on, Caleb? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, we're recording this on a Monday night. There's been some interesting rumblings over the course of the last week or so revolving the football world, and most of it has to do with the COVID-19 situation. But most teams, all teams in the NFL, are underway with camp. They are in what they are calling their conditioning phase, and they are basically, it looks to me like they're just running and lifting right now and getting back acclimated after missing the OTA period. But the football is back, and... It appears as though the NFL has tried to do their best to keep things as safe as possible. Very true. Oh, yeah. Before we get started, I want to give a big congratulations to our teammate, our co-host, Justin. Congratulations, big guy. That's a big achievement. I'm proud of you, buddy. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Caleb, um, this is a um, big time for the player. They all are getting inside the buildings. A lot of players are getting acclimated, like you said, they're working out, lifting. I think they're doing some kind of football-related um, activities. They're probably doing, like, install, if anything, maybe, like, just basic drills, like you said, just getting back to running around on the grass, getting back to used to being on the field again, just getting acclimated with the guys, like meeting rooms, watching film, not too much, like, 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11 stuff, like positional stuff, probably just, like, simple install stuff like that. But, no, it's good to see all the players back in the building, man, in their respective cities, getting in there, just seeing football again gets everyone excited for sure. Yeah, they're definitely not banging yet, but you know, like the head coaches are probably glad because this is the first time since, I mean, for the Chiefs, it's the first time since February, but for some teams, this is the first time since January that they are able to have the whole team together, the whole squad there. So for head coaches, that seems to be something that's been very positive. But when we look at the head coach or when we look at the COVID-19 situation, we have seen the first coach test positive during the season. Now, remember, Sean Payton from New Orleans, he tested positive and was had COVID-19 during the offseason. But now we have the first confirmed case of the training camp period and former Chiefs offensive coordinator, current Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson, has contracted COVID-19. He tested positive, I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, there hasn't been a ton of... There hasn't been a ton of word out about his condition right now, but obviously it's kind of got to be in the mind of everyone in the NFL as they move forward. No, for sure. When I saw the news, I knew it was gonna eventually going to happen. There's going to be like one big-time player or big-time coach to test. It's just as from the players, from the team's perspective, you would, like, you would prefer that to happen now almost like an injury you prefer to have an earlier in camp before than like rather in the middle of the season, you don't want to lose your head coach or a guy forbid knock on wood, like your star quarterback in a big game or a, or a division game week or a, a game that could possibly get you in the playoffs. So I would rather deal with that stuff now, get it handled, get the, whatever you got to do, quarantine, get the guys away from the team, make sure everyone's safe and following procedures and get all that out the way now. So guys can be ready for the season in like a month. So I know it kind of sucks that losing your leader, not having him in the building, but the Eagles have a lot of veteran leadership. So, they have a lot of good players in their organization, so I'm sure it'll be fine. But, yeah, it, it's definitely crazy times, bro. I know uh, some of the players today, I saw Odell tweeting about the frustrations. I think him and um, Devin McCourty were both frustrated how, like, they feel like the league is taking um, 
probably priority over the league and the um, the actual season happening than the player's safety. They feel like the season is trying to partake over more so than the players opting out, as if, like, we just saw the news that just before we got on, people, the opt-out date has been officially set for Thursday at 4 o'clock Eastern, that'd be 3 o'clock Central time for Chiefs fans. That That's the time the players have until that point when they let the team know are they going to opt out or are they going to play. So, obviously, there's still more contingencies to be figured out as far as, like, the CBA and everything agreement, as if are they going to figure out can, once a player opts out, is he allowed to come back if, he, if his tests come back negative? Or once you opt out, can you not come back at all? There's a lot of things that I'm sure that people want to know, like final decision on and get things in concrete for sure. But it's definitely a, um, it's definitely a, um, a confusing year for a lot of people. But we're getting every day we get more and more information. We get more and more comfortable with things that are going on. So that's why you guys stay in tune and keep your ears to the streets for sure. No, and I agree with that for sure. What I think about when I hear about the opting out and stuff, the frustration from the players – I think all comes down to the fact that if they don't, if whatever they choose, they're not going to be able to go back on it, whether it be taking the $150,000 to sit out for the season and then come back, or whether it be to forego that option and try to play like normal while also putting a risk to themselves. And I think that some of these early tests back from training camps and some of that is probably weighing on heavily on the minds of a lot of those involved, as it should. So I think the big thing to remember is the NFL, I know Rick Burkholder is the guy, he's the Chiefs head trainer, and he's going to be the guy that's in charge of all their COVID-19 protocol. Everything I've seen from the Chiefs players seems to make me believe that they are comfortable playing despite these opt-outs and despite all of that. Now, they do have two players who we know who have opted out. One of them, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he has decided to stay in Canada because, as we all know, he is a medical professional and he's doing a very admirable, honorable thing by staying with his profession, off the, his, his off-field profession, which he's going to try to help basically keep people with COVID alive. And he's going to try to help find ways to help stop it. And that's absolutely spectacular. And then there is Damian Williams, who I believe is starting a family and he doesn't want anything to risk that. We've seen a name of other players around the league decide to not play this season and just wait it out. And I don't think that them having that opt-out cause I, no one will think any less of them, but there's a group of athletes right now who don't have an opt-out cause and who are seeing some of these other professional leagues like Major League Baseball get sick, and that would be college athletes across the country because as of right now, at this very minute, it appears as though the conference, the Power Five conferences are going to try to get a season off. And as has come out recently, there is a large group of players in the Pac-12 who are ready to sit out the full season if their demands are not met, not only regarding COVID-19 safety protocol, but also things like racial equality and also things like compensation of athletes. They posted the hashtag WeAreUnited article to the Players' Tribune yesterday. If you haven't got a chance to read it yet, it's absolutely fantastic. But the one thing that they basically highlight in it is 
you know, professional athletes can have all these other options, but when it comes to the college level, they don't have an option. And it's something kind of interesting like that, that you see these kids who go out here, they get their scholarship and that's great, but they go out here and these programs are spending millions of dollars on facility, re-upping facilities every year. And there are some head coaches making upwards of $15 million a year. And if they coach poorly, they can still get all that money and opt out. So it's kind of an interesting situation that we're seeing unfold also at the same time. No, for sure. That's why you see a lot of players. The young guys are looking at the veterans. So these college athletes, the guys that are first round lottery guys, I think one of the corners for Virginia Tech has already opted out to sit out this year. So um, a lot of players are definitely going to take a look at their options. But like you say, every player is not afforded that option. A lot of guys can't afford to sit out this season because this season is their last chance to put film out for their profile to try to make their draft stock even higher than what it is right now. So players are looking at veterans to see what they're going to do. So they see NFL players are upset that some players don't have the option to opt out and they want to be treated. They want to be treated accordingly. I mean, they just want to be, they just want to be fair. So as a college athlete, we, I mean, me and being us being college athletes, we can attest to this. Um, When you get a scholarship and you're afforded to play, which is great. We're appreciative of it. But at the same time, if you don't give players any kind of clause or any kind of closure to know that if we do catch it, can I opt out the season? Do I still get everything afforded to me? Like everything as far as scholarship, everything that comes with it. So um, a lot of players are just, they just want closure. They just want to be safe, not only for their own value, but for them and their families. Cause a lot of these players go home. Some of these players in college have kids, they have families and they go home to elderly or people that are in their family and their loved ones. So players just want to be, you know, are they safe and can they, operate in a, in a normal manner even though this year isn't normal they just want to know is it a safe environment for them to play in so um i think yeah that's that's what a lot of the college players are expressing their frustrations like if we do play the season what happens if they just want to know is their contingencies is their backup plans and i think that's why a lot of people are so frustrated like you mentioned with the baseball season that when the breakout happened they feel that there wasn't any backup plan or any uh, protocol for this like so when you tried to get the season to start back up again you didn't have any emergency plans written down anything in the files to know that if this does happen, if we do have an outbreak, this is our protocol for this situation. And I think that's why a lot of players are getting frustrated as far as Pac-12 players, like as far as the social injustice that's going on in the world, they want to be treated fairly. They want to be safe. And they want to know if, can we even come back to school? Is everything going to be available to me? So um, it's definitely a weird year for sure for these players. And I understand their frustrations to the utmost degree. So at the end of the day, we have to do what's best for the players. But like you and me know, these organizations like the NFL and, Power five conference football don't always think think of the best players interest all the time. And here's another thing though, because while that is true, while there are obvious dollar signs all over the place, not only just in professional sports, there's more under the money and uh I mean there's more under the money in college sports, especially the power five conferences than I think many casual college football fans would care to admit there is. But here's another thing I think. If the NFL wants to, and, and college football, if they go out and want and work hard to make sure their protocols are followed, because we've seen in the NFL very few cases, because part of their protocol measures are if players get caught out in public, they'll be extremely fined. I think that is it is also the responsibility of the players not only just to themselves, but to their, not only even just their teammates, but to their sport as a whole, to their league and their conference as a whole, to be smart and responsible in a time like this. 
because we've seen different reports now of in the NBA bubble, they said Lou Williams left to go to a strip club <laughs> and then he came back and bars and strip clubs and restaurants are where people have been Pepper getting Lou. a lot of COVID like. And now I, we see reports today on, I think they came out with an anonymous report and said like 10 members of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team were seen in an area casino and then 13 members of their team have been confirmed to test positive their team and the support staff around them. So that just goes to show you that it's not just the, the league and the owner's responsibility and the coach's responsibility. It's the player's responsibility. And someone who I think has said that very well throughout this entire odd season we've undergone so far is Patrick Mahomes, who he said in the first opening press conference, it's up to us players to be responsible now, I think that Roger Goodell and the NFL are going to have their own version of the NBA snitch line out in full force, and we might be seeing some very, very large fines, and some guys could be playing a few weeks for free. But I think it's absolutely up to all parties involved to try to make this, and that's the only way this is going to work. No, you're absolutely right, buddy. That's the only way they can. They have to find a way to hold players accountable, and like you said, that's – finding guys that that's suspended in suspensions or maybe you can't play a half or if you can, you're sitting you're sitting out a quarter anything that's going to hold your team back nobody wants to be that player that comes into the locker room and find out you didn't do your part and you weren't man enough to restrain yourself from going out and into public and doing things you're not supposed to do so they have to find some way to keep everybody in line so not only can the teams be safe and everybody can go home to their families but we can have the season and guys can know feel confident and go out there that they're all at a full and an even playing field to have a fair advantage to go out there and compete on Sundays and Mondays. So it's, it's definitely going to be a way to, um, to keep the players in line. And like you said, the best player in football, the best player in, in your leader of your sport is telling the guys to be accountable. I think guys are going to want to do it. So, cause if you get called out by him, that's probably, that's not a good sight. So um, yeah, they have to do something to keep the players in line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we mentioned just a minute ago, one of the players who opted out for the chiefs, was Damian Williams. He's trying to start a family and there's no shame in that because we really don't know much about this virus and how it could affect the long-term health and impact. But one of the interesting things that does for the Kansas City Chiefs is it looks like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has the strongest shot of every running back on the roster right now to be the guy, to be RB1 right out of the gates. What kind of expectations do you think we can see from him this early considering that, you know, we thought that maybe we'd have Damien as a little blanket to while we get him completely acclimated in this time. But now there's none of that. He could be right into the fire. What do you think about that whole, this whole situation? No, um, our prayers and our thoughts go out to Damien Williams. I believe he also opted out because I think, um, I think it was his mother or his grandmother, someone in his family he's really close to um, was probably susceptible, was susceptible to, um, COVID-19 and probably was available to get it. So I, I, I completely understand his reasoning. He's thinking of his family and trying to start a family. That's the ultimate reason why we all play this sport because of our loved ones. So our thoughts and our prayers go out to him. But um, yeah, as far as far as CEH, Clyde, um, he has big expectations. We were just talking about it. He's wearing that 2-5 on his back. Anyone who's seen the social media post by the Chiefs, I got excited, man. Because I mean, watching Clyde at, at LSU, the Alabama game for me is really what put me over the edge. I liked him a lot coming into the season because I knew he was shifty, a quick guy that can catch the ball. That Alabama game took me over the top. I was like, bro, there's nothing this kid can't do. He runs hard. He's willing to get his nose in there and block on pass pro. He 
catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. He can run the ball in between and outside tackles. And anytime you see a running back who's versatile and explosive in an Andy Reid offense, you automatically light up because all of the running backs in Andy Reid's offenses all do well. Going back to Brian Westbrook in Philly, or if you throw to Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt in his short stint, um, the, the, the hype for Clyde is definitely going through the roof. And now that Damien's opting out for the season, the hype is getting even more crazy. So one of my friends and our buddies, we were talking about fantasy football league. I think the highest I've seen him go before a week or two ago, I think he was going around like second round, mid, like anywhere between like 18 to 24 picks. We just had a draft the other night. He's going like top 12 now. People are taking him in the first round. So the hype for Clyde is extremely real. People have high expectations for him. And rightfully so, us as, us as Chiefs fans, we've seen so much talent from the running back position. We've been blessed to see a lot of talent come through that room. Going back to the days of Marcus Allen, Christian McCoye, Priest Holmes, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, Larry Johnson. We've seen a lot of good guys come through that room and carry that ball in the red and white. So Clyde is the next guy in line. We have a lot of expectations for him. We think he can handle it. Pat picked him personally because we all heard the story of Brett, Andy, and uh, Pat. When they drafted him, they liked him from the jump. They loved him, everything he can do in his ability. So getting him in the building and getting him here and getting him signed was one of the best things that happened to us this offseason. So um, his workload is going to be a lot bigger than we thought it's going to be. But I know me and um, – me and Chris, excuse me, me and Chris on our Aftermath podcast, we spoke about it last episode that um, DeAndre Washington's in a great situation as well because that running back room is such, is such a high expectation and such um, great leadership in that room. When you have a guy like DeAndre Washington who's been in the league for years now, who's done it at a high level, I know the, Raider, the Raiders haven't really beaten the Chiefs a lot, but anyone who knows football knows DeAndre can play. He's a guy that can do both. He can catch the ball and run the ball extremely well. And like I said, you put him in the injury offense, running backs just – they just look better and they feel better in this offense because you have Pat's arm, the way that Andy gives the running backs the, the running backs so many different touches as far as screens, outside zone, inside zones, options. They give them the ball in reverses. They move them out. They let them do something. They can go five wide. We can go 22, 12, 13 personnel. It doesn't matter. They do so many different things with their running backs and they're allowed to be so versatile in this offense. They get excited. And I know Clyde is absolutely for sure this year. So I have big, I have big expectations. I was calling rookie of the year before the season. Now I think it's probably pretty much um, a done deal now. As long as he just stays healthy, knock on wood, I don't see why he couldn't for sure. What do you think, Caleb? Well, we say that about Pat pretty much handpicking Clyde, and Clyde's rocking the 25, even though him and Jamal Charles, two completely different kinds of players. But, you know, where Jamal was like that straight sprinter, had that great vision and had great cutback ability. Clyde, I think, has great vision also but he has good burst and he takes good cuts and he has excellent contact balance. And he's kind of got that stocky frame where he's going to power his way through and get the tough yards when we need him. And when I look at DeAndre Washington, well, he was, or he was college teammates at Texas tech with Patrick Mahomes. So there's a connection there. And when you look at these guys, they're very similarly built. It seems to me, they're both kind of shorter, stockier guys, but I think one area that gives them an advantage of is they're both kind of – they both have the a good cut ability so they can run like that little option route or they can run the, that angle route out of the backfield to where they can really get in a good one-on-one situation with a linebacker. And I think that DeAndre Washington could be a guy who we see maybe take some pass-down reps early just to uh, be able to run out of the backfield because you know the Chiefs are going to be trying to line up and run as many five wide sets or four by one sets as possible with a running back leaking out just as a check down. So I think maybe we could see him running some of those early while they're getting Clyde adjusted. 
I also think that Daryl Williams has a tremendous shot of earning some early playing time because he's a guy that Andy Reid has trusted for a little while now in the offense. And I think the reason for that being is he's a very good, he's a very reliable back when he gets consistent touches. He's never going to be a guy to go out and burn you for like 150 rushing a game, but he can consistently get those four or five tough yards on zone. And then even a couple of times last year, we saw his ability to catch out of the backfield. He had a, that big reception on a screen pass versus the Ravens in week three to seal the game. And then uh, I believe two weeks later against the Houston Texans, he had like a 60-yard reception. And, you know, he can kind of fly when he gets into the open field. He's kind of sneaky fast. I think that if we see any running back combo early, I think it'll be Daryl Williams as more of a secondary option to Clyde more than DeAndre would be just because I think that Andy trusts Daryl and is still confident to have him in the lineup when healthy. No, I agree. Um, I know last year we uh, we all had our as as much as we respect Damian for what he did in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. In my opinion, he was the MVP. He had he had a great postseason run with Tennessee and the Houston game, and then finished off versus the Niners. But in my opinion, I thought Damian was the MVP of the Super Bowl and the way he played. But that's another conversation. Um, but I, th I think DeAndre is definitely. I, I think he may get more touches early than Daryl, just because Daryl's coming off a knee injury. They're probably going to want to work him back into it because he hasn't really had an off season to really come back with the team and try to get acclimated again. So I wouldn't want to push his buttons too early. I would rather him take his time. Now, towards the end of the season, I could think Daryl could be an X factor and a secret weapon that we could burst out and use, and he could absolutely be um, a big weapon for us towards the second half of the season. But I think in the beginning of the year, I think DeAndre and Clyde are definitely going to be that one-two punch combo that we're going to use a lot in the in the in just in the first four to six weeks. And then once we hit that seven, eight midweek point, get that bye weekend, Daryl gets back to get his football legs back underneath him. I think he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of touches. And don't forget Darwin Thompson. We were high on him last year, and we thought he was going to play a lot. But um, certain circumstances didn't allow him to get in the game as much as we like. But he's another guy that could that could fight for some minutes as well. So, like I said, we're blessed, man, to have such a good running back room. We have so much talent. We have guys that are bigger, guys that are fast, guys that can catch the ball, guys that are really strong. We have a really great room. I'm excited for that room to see what they do this year. So the hype for Clyde is real. Like you said, when you put that 2-5 on your back, we all know who wore that number for the Chiefs. So when you put that number on your back, you're giving yourself and the city is giving you expectations. So it's going to be a fun year, and I'm excited to see what see what Clyde Edwards-Elaire does for the Chiefs, absolutely. <laughs> that's, uh, that's no doubt about putting the 2-5 on your back, and that's just because Jamal Charles was so awesome. But for Darwin Thompson – for me, he's still got big question marks, and I think the biggest question mark for me is we've seen his raw athletic ability that he has when we saw him in like the preseason jumping over guys. And he's a big guy. He's pretty rocked up. He can run. He's solid. He can move the pile. Uh, doesn't have tremendous breakaway, but I think an area that hurts him is I don't think he has the best vision in the world. And that's one thing that I know was a knock on him out of college, Utah State. But I feel like at times it carried over to this year, or maybe he just seemed like the game was moving a little too fast for him. Because I think the only time we really got to see him go a full drive as the back, as the guy was that Raiders, was the beatdown at Arrowhead versus the Raiders. And he looked good on zones and powers and stuff where he could just kind of cut the offensive line in half and 
just kind of hit that play side hole. But there were a couple of other times where he could have had a chance to cut back on some zone plays and he didn't quite hit it. And there was a few more times when some backside pressure on some power plays caused him to not want to hit the hole as hard as he could have, even though knowing how strong and powerful a runner he is, he probably would have broken through those arm tackles and maybe gotten a few extra yards, maybe not many, but he still could have popped through there and gotten five. So I think if his vision doesn't improve drastically, he could be a guy who may not be on the roster at the end of it all. But I also think that Andy Reid is going to want to carry a deep running back unit because he is an offensive-minded head coach. He understands that while some people don't use running backs as like a valuable metric in football, like there's the crowd of people who say running backs don't matter. Well, they don't matter, but when you or they don't matter if you don't know how to use them the right way. And I think Andy Reid has proven time and time and again he can figure out the best way to utilize his running back skill set. So having more talent in the pool just adds more weapons for him and the enemy to be able to call those plays up and for them to be able to really, really dial up the passing game and really dial up like the wheel routes, those choice angle routes and all that stuff out of the backfield. So having the grid run, the big running back unit is obviously going to be key. No, for sure. Like you said, like this year, there's so much uncertainty, so many things we're not used to. This is going to be a, a different year for sure. A lot of things that nobody really has answers for right now. We're going to have to just play it by ear, but this is the year to have a lot of depth, especially at the positions like running back, receiver, DB, uh, pass rush, and D-line. you got to have a lot of players to have. So I'm glad that the league found a way to extend the practice squad and make that a little bigger because you're going to need a lot of guys on that roster to come in and probably play minutes this year because if a guy catches COVID and has to sit out a week or has to sit out two weeks or if a guy has to opt out in the middle of the season, then he finds out he can't play the rest of the year. So, and obviously you have to be ready for injury. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be a crazy year for sure, because this is the time of year um, soft, soft tissue injuries always happen. Like guys pulling hammies, guys, um, quads and Achilles and knees always get torn and stuff like that because guys have been out of football for so long and you're trying to just push the issue and trying to go full pedal to the metal and go hundred percent. And then you end up hurting yourself. So I'm sure teams and training staffs and a lot of coaches are trying to just ease players back into it and not trying to push them too hard. Um, either, even though the guys are trying to get ready for us, get ready for the season in like less than a month, which is like four weeks, which college players do every year. But NFL players have been so in this routine. They're such creatures of habit that they've been so used to having OTAs and mini camp and coming and have a rookie mini camp and things like that. And none of that's happened this year. This is literally, like you said, the first time in months, five, six months that guys have been around each other and rookies. This is going to be their first time in an NFL season, NFL game. And you only have four weeks to get ready. So it's definitely going to be tough. No preseason games, no preseason snaps, no scrimmages, no nothing. It's literally all between your team. So um, it's definitely going to be a different year for sure. Um, I'm praying for everybody in the league to stay healthy, especially the Chiefs. But at the same time, you definitely got to have your backups. You guys have to pay attention more than ever this year. Guys got to be locked in from the jump because your number will definitely get called this year. Usually we say that every year as almost like a cliche, like you know it may or may not. But this year with everything going on, a backup's number will definitely, definitely for certainly get called. So guys have to be locked in to their playbooks in the meeting room, stay focused, stay ready. Because an opportunity, there will be some stars that break out this year, Caleb, absolutely. There will be stars that we didn't even think of had a chance to play that will have big seasons this year just because of COVID-19. So guys, be ready, and your opportunity is going to come for sure. 
Yeah, that's funny you said that about the college things. You know, most co- a lot of colleges have like their summer program that's optional, but it's not really optional, and it's just like running and getting ready in June and July, and then you basically get into camp and it's four weeks, and then all of a sudden, first game of the season there, and in the NFL they get many OTAs, many camps. And then they have like a month and a half of training camp. They have like a month before even the first preseason game, four more preseason games. And then everybody's feeling good, healthy and in shape. And now it's honestly, I feel like the younger guys in the league are going to be at the advantage because they're kind of used to like that quick turnaround from training to get into it. Whereas like a veteran player who's been in the league for a while could maybe show a little bit of rust early that they haven't had time to shake off yet just because their bodies are so used to that. But it's what you said about the depth is important. And the chiefs added a couple of more pieces to help them within the last couple of weeks. One of them being big Kelsey, 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 yeah, I was, yeah, I did a voiceover article on him basically the other day, I broke down a couple of plays from his big season he had in 2016, the All-Pro year with the Raiders. And then I broke down some clips of his plays from the Jets last year. The Jets pretty much screwed him out of a season by making him play hurt because he probably could have – by basically making him play hurt. And then he opted out and they had their big – he filed a grievance against them. But in the film, he looked pretty good in the games he was able to play in. And I think that he's going to come in right away and be a starter on the interior for the Chiefs. No, I agree with you. I definitely believe Kalijay is going to be a big player for us this year, especially we lost both our starting guards in the Super Bowl this year. So we're definitely going to need guys to step up and make plays for us this year. So I think obviously the the futuristic and the, and the ideal situation, I think all Chiefs fans would like. We would like to have Rankin at right guard. We would like to have Kalijay at left guard. That would be the goal. And obviously we need Rankin to come back and get healthy and get back on track. But I think that's going to be our ultimate line that we think towards down the stretch that's going to be protecting Pat. Um, but I know everyone who saw Kaliche play probably doesn't really remember him too much because he hasn't really played in a while. He played in New York last year for the short stint. Then he had the issue with the shoulder injury, and the Jets wanted him to come back. Then he ended up getting surgery, and then they were mad at him for getting surgery, which is a whole different um, conversation in itself. But if you guys want to learn more, I'm sure you've broken down a lot of film. Go watch that 2016 season when he was in Oakland. He played really well, and that was the year – that Derek Carr was playing like an MVP before he broke his leg. That year, Kaliche, their O line was arguably top five in football. So, um, Kaliche is a very strong guy, physical hands, long arms. When he gets hand, well, a lot of guys around the league say when he gets his hands on you, you really can't get off of him. So, <laughs> kind of has like a vice grip. So, um, he's a, he's a physical guy. He's more athletic than you think when he gets in the open field. So, and obviously playing in a better offense with more speed, he's not required to be the best offensive lineman on a team. I think he can end up having a really good season for us. So. I'm excited for him. The pictures of that I've seen online, he looks like he's in shape, looks like he's ready to go. Um, I haven't seen him. Um, I didn't see him in any of the Chiefs workout film that I've seen this week, but I'm excited to see him get in the building and see where he's at uh, physically and mentally. But I'm excited for Kalice, bro. I think he could be a really good guy for our team for sure, especially when you need to have depth at linemen, especially for us. we got to protect our half a billion dollar quarterback. We need more depth as possible because blocking is a premium in this league, especially when you have a really good quarterback and you're a pass-happy team. So, And we want to be more physical in the run game in the red zone which is another reason why I like picking up DeAndre Washington and adding um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because that's probably the only 
part of our offense we can be like nearly almost unbeat unstoppable at is when we get into the green zone into the red zone we can line up in a run heavy formation and tell the defense we're going to run the ball and you can't stop us so if we really want to run to the right side we can have Rankin and, and, and uh, Schwartz over there going to the right most offenses are right-handed when we run to the right they know we're going to run power they can't stop it or if we want to run to the left now because we got Kaliche he's really powerful up the middle as well so I think this is going to help out Wiley a lot up the middle. So I think it's going to make him a little more physical, allow him to trust the left side a little bit more. So uh, I'm excited for Kalice, bro. I know a lot of people haven't really seen him play, like we said, in a while. So they're really kind of hesitant to see what he can do. But like we said, it's, it's high upside on him. It's a low risk, high reward situation. So I think he's motivated. You're playing with a great team, a chance to win a, to win a Super Bowl and win a ring and put that on your finger in that trophy case. I think he's going to be locked in. So I think it'll be a fun year for Kalice, bro. I'm excited for him for sure. Yeah, I think that he's going to immediately help the OL. And I think that if they can find another guy that can play guard well consistently, this offensive line has a chance to have a big season. Because even though Osimile is older, I think that having two bookend tackles and I think that having his power is going to definitely help Rioter and between Mike Rimmers, Wiley, and you know, my I've heard sources who've said that Rankin right now is behind injury. I would not put it past the Chiefs to go ahead and start Andrew Wiley out at either right, at, probably at right guard because Assembly is going to start next to Eric Fisher, which that could be some. I think that they could end up blowing up some people on some double teams on that side because Fisher is probably the best run blocker on the team you know Mitchell Schwartz he's good but he's more he he's more in his element in the pass game but he can throw the technique on people but the Chiefs also added another player to their roster uh Tedrick Thompson he's spent the last three seasons in Seattle he is going to be a special teams and DB depth kind of player he according to a pro football reference in the last few years, he's played around 35 to 36% of Seattle's special team snaps. So I'm assuming he's going to be a big punt, punt team guy, kickoff guy, punt return. And, you know, every team has to have those guys like that to win. So he's obviously here. Uh, probably no guarantees for him, but he's going to be here to compete for a spot and then also add a little bit of depth to that unit while they try to figure out the defensive back rotation because you know there is a couple of gaps in there no for sure i mean i like we have like he played somewhat in seattle i know he didn't play a lot of games because he's had some injury history but seattle has had a knack for a lot of their great dbs they had in their organization have been later round picks when you think of camp chancellor um richard sherman besides the obvious guys like earl thomas a lot of their great dbs they've had back there have been guys that have been later round picks so um, they saw something in him. Maybe we can get it out of him. And we have a great safety room. Like you said, we have guys like Tyron. We have Dirty Dan back there. We got Juan Thornhill coming back. Hopefully he has a big year. I know he um, he's on the um, – I think they put him on the PUP list. I think he's coming back as well. We also have our Marty Watts. So we have a really great uh, defensive back room. So um, I think this room with a lot of veterans around him, we can bring whatever Seattle was trying to get out of him. So I know he's a little more physical in the box. I think that's more of like his strong suit more so than coverage. But – um, if we can get them in the building and learn from the other guys and maybe guys play better when you have good leadership around you, when you're surrounded by greatness, you turn into greatness. So I think the environment will be really good for um, Thompson. So hopefully he can come in here. We can get something out of him. I'm always excited when we add new talent to the kingdom. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait for him to get here. I can't wait for the guy. I'm just excited to see all the guys in the building, man. Talking, 
real football and not actually like speculating on what's going to happen. Like actually talking about stuff in real life has got me excited, man. So I can't wait for the season. I really pray to God the league listens to the players and try to find a way to get everything lined up so the players can play football this year. But no, I'm, I'm really excited for the season, bro. I, I, I can't wait. Yep, absolutely. You know, we've been doing hypotheticals. This is the 12th episode of this no. show. <laughs> and it almost feels like the time is going to be here. Um, I think it's probably about time to wrap the show up. CJ, you want to let everybody know what kind of projects you got going on, you know, with uh, the podcasting and then uh, the other Twitter stuff you've been up to and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to catch me out, you can catch me again on The Aftermath with my co-hosts Grant and Chris. We will having our episode coming up very soon. Um, if you guys ever want me back, I'm always back on Coach's Corner with my guy Caleb and Justin. Uh, these are my guys. I always love talking football. If you guys want to um, talk some football, catch me on Twitter at CJEEZY81, CGZ81. I'll be on there. Always breaking down film with my guy Caleb and talking Chiefs football. If you guys haven't had a chance yet, go on arrowheadlive.com. Get your merch. The t-shirts, the hoodies are amazing. I got all mines in a couple weeks ago. They're fire. They're comfortable. Get you right for the fall. If you want to rock your t-shirt when you're around the house, we need everybody to get them, run it back. Um, and Beach We Trust have been big sellers. Everyone tells me they really like those shirts. So if you haven't had a chance, go to arrowheadlive.com. Get some merch. Support us, please. No, the shirts are awesome. Uh, I guess I'll let you all know what I've been working on lately. Uh, I had my... Kaleche Osimile film review out a little bit later than I expected, but I made sure I had voiceovers in there. So it's less reading, more of a listening and learning kind of deal. Kind of like you would maybe actually see in like what a coach would tell a player or something like that. So you guys can check that out. And this week, uh, funny, we were just talking, CJ was just talking about the safety room and stuff. I was actually going to write about Tyron Matthew, Dirty Dan, and Thornhill and how they all complemented each other and how they all allowed each other to succeed at what they do best. So I'll try to have that up. And I'm also going to work on having another edition of the GMKC up this week. And hopefully I'll be able to find a good topic to write about since football is right around the corner, but you can follow me at CJ scoops on Twitter. Make sure to go follow at arrowhead live. Uh, thanks y'all for listening to in. Again, big congrats to Justin, and uh, hope everyone stays safe and healthy, and have a good night, everyone. Good, guys. See you guys. Be safe.